mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Good morning. Turning your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be beginning in verse 1 this morning. If you'll remember, we have been discussing uh, the greatest gift ever given. The greatest gift ever given. Uh, as as Bereans and as um, Christians, I think most of us know that that is Jesus the Christ. We think we we know that God gave His Son to save our souls. You know, it's not about, listen to me, because we really need to talk about this in, in, in church especially. It's not about Santa Claus. Okay? This really needs to be spoken about. It, because you know what? It's not about lies. Jesus is truth incarnate. And if the greatest gift ever given is Jesus Christ, and it is, and He's the way, the truth, and the life, and He is then we know that when you introduce a big fat man in a red and white suit that's supposed to go down a chimney, that the enemy is mocking us. I mean, the, the chimney's so small that a big fat guy can't even get down it anyway. And yet we would rather tell that lie than tell people that Jesus Christ was born. And we know that it wasn't even December you know, it was more end of September, beginning of October that he was really born. But we would rather keep telling the lie than rather receive the truth that we have to deal with this gift. We have to deal with this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somewhere in our lives, that's the only reason we're here is to deal with the truth and to stop living in the lie. Okay? And that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, even the devil mocks us so much that he doesn't just introduce, uh, uh, you know, this fat man in a red and white suit that gives gifts away so that everybody can get a, a bunch of material stuff, but he makes his suit red and white. Okay, because red stands for the blood of Jesus and white is for the purity that he gives us. He makes us as white as snow and he says, come and reason with me. Though your sins were as scarlet, they can be white as snow. And so he actually mocks us in our face and we said and we tell our kids this and then our kids say, well, what else are they lying to me about? And the best practice of all is to practice righteousness, practice telling the truth. And the best way to do that sometimes is to admit to people and apologize to people for lying to them in the first place. Because we don't want to build on lies and then get to the end of our life and find out that that sand is washing away. It's being washed away through, through, the, through the rivers of evil. 
and it collapses. We want to be building upon truth all of our lives. So that's why God opens our eyes so that we will stop spreading lies. Stop telling lies. Listen, the Bible is clear. We hate light. Our flesh hates the light. And it doesn't want to come to the light. It wants to live in darkness. So that's why the flesh has to be crucified. There has to be an understanding in our hearts that we need to die to self and be wrapped in Christ. Because God come to earth and took flesh and wrapped himself in flesh for us. The light of the world hung on a wooden cross. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He decorated that tree. The presence of God came down to give us the greatest gift ever given. And yet many Christians still tell their children about Santa Claus. And they let them think that it's okay to tell a little white lie. There is no such thing as a little white lie. There is no such thing. Every lie is from the father of lies, from the devil. It's there to create death in your soul, death in your relationships. When we lie, we create death. When we tell the truth, we give life to others. So I pray that in this season, you'll remember the greatest gift ever given. You'll surrender to him and you'll, you'll ask him to help you unwrap this truth of life what it's about, who it is. And if you remember, as we went through chapter one, we were introduced to a lot of um, people's testimonies, their, their character, their lives, everything that they were doing, what they were saying really revealed to us a lot of things that God was doing. And we remember it was the, the very first chapter, uh, the very first character was Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, right? And God remembers his promise, his oath, that's what we're doing. We're breaking open the sky. And here God says, it's that fullness of time. And, and I remember my oath. I remember I promised you a, a, a Messiah, someone to take away the sins of the world. The Old Testament looked forward to it. And then, so it's announced that even though they have a curse upon them and people looked at them wrong, that the Lord is gracious, that John, the gracious gift of God, would be born. And when it was announced by a strong man of God. Actually, his name means warrior of God, too, and I kind of like it a little bit more just for the sake of today's text. Uh, uh, warrior of God. Um, and then Joseph, the second set of characters, and Mary, Maria. Joseph means he will add their rebellion and today we're going to see to Jesus, Jesus, who's been carried in a womb for nine months now in Mary's womb, carried in there, just waiting in, in an environment, waiting to be birthed out as the greatest gift ever given so that he can he can be an example perfectly of how to live. He, he, he's obedient to his parents. He does everything that he's supposed to be doing. Never breaks any, any laws, never sins once. And then he comes at 30 years of age, which is the age of a priest. And he comes as the order of Melchizedek. And he becomes an itinerant preacher for three, three and a half years. And then he's arrested. He's betrayed. He's beaten, he's spit on, he's mocked. 
and he's nailed to a tree. The light of the world decorates that first cross, that first tree for you and me. And he dies, but the grave couldn't hold him. On the third day, he was resurrected. On the third day, he gets up out of the grave. His body does not see corruption. And he was given to us. If you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But what is saved? I mean, in our churches today, what does it mean? What does it mean to be saved? Oh, I quit hanging out with my buds and, and those who drink and smoke, and I don't do that anymore. Now I'm kind of trying to be a good husband. I'm kind of trying to be a good wife. Salvation is deliverance from the sin nature. And you're given a new nature. You're given, you're reborn, and now you have life. And Jesus is life. And it's impossible to actually be saved and stay who you are. It's impossible. Did you see me? All things are possible. We got. It's impossible to receive the greatest gift ever given and stay where you're at and go with God at the same time. He's leading us out of this world into his house, into his life, into his family, into the newness of life. And it's impossible to receive this gift, to open this gift, to walk in the newness of life and stay where you were. You can't stay where you were and go with God. Very important that we know that because so many people today say they believe in Jesus and yet they stay exactly where they always were. They don't learn to obey him. They don't learn what he's doing. They don't open the door and sit down and have a meal with him daily, the daily bread. What they do is they get fire insurance and they believe in a culturanity where if I say one prayer, I'm fine. But there's a, there's a betrothal going on. A marriage made in heaven. God gave his son to come and redeem us as the kinsman redeemer. To bring us back in right relationship with the father. The only way it can be done is by marriage. Because our first Adam fell so completely short, which is a picture of us. But the second Adam, Jesus, the Christ, the greatest gift ever given, he laid his life down as an example. He died for us so that we would know how to live and what it looks like. See, here's the biggest thing. When you, when you know what it's supposed to look like, so you don't order something, you go, wow, that's really nice. That's a good fake imitation. Somebody said something the other day about somebody acting like me. I said, no, he's nothing more than a fake imitation of me. <laughs> and they didn't like it very much. But see, nobody can be anybody else. But if Christ comes and lives in your heart and his spirit is in you, he can change you into his image. But nobody else can die for you. Nobody else can be the greatest gift. Nobody else can be God of your life. Nobody else can be your master passion. So this is a very serious subject that the churches have turned into something that, and not the, not the, the church of Christ, 
not the church that Christ has birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit, but what we would call just a cultural church, culturanity. They've turned it into some type of dress code. They've turned it into stained glass windows. They've turned it into a, 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 an environment of culture where I say a prayer and I'm okay and I can live like hell all week long. And that's no salvation at all. And we've been deceived into listening to any voice and every voice the same way the Jewish nation was. They were following their leaders instead of following God. They were following what the culture did instead of God. They were following every voice except for God. And the only voice that we can actually listen to is God. That's the only voice that Adam and Eve had in the garden until he allowed them to have free will and introduce some other voice. He allowed the devil... Listen to me, this is, not, this is not some type of game. God allows the devil. The devil is God's devil. He doesn't have some power outside of God where he could actually win this thing. Listen, he has nothing but what God allows him to do. He has boundaries that he must follow. And so you see that we were separated from God because of sin. And now with salvation, it's so important to understand, and we'll get to this point a little bit later in the message, is that now we're separated to God. We were separated from God, but because of the greatest gift ever given, we're now separated to God. Not separated to do whatever we want and still severed from Him. And that'll make more sense in a minute, but I just wanted to get you to this point that where we can see what, what this is all about. Everything that's, that's, that's material and physical and carnal and temporal is piled on top of to cover up the truth that God sent His Messiah. He remembered His oath and He was gracious and the strong men of God, He will add their rebellion to Jesus if you let Him. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. But the hardest thing is, is that we keep listening to other voices, and we don't allow God to do what He's came to do. We don't allow Him to save our souls. We don't allow Him to purify us. We don't allow Him to change our desires. We continue to resist Him, and we say no, and we ignore the very light that wants to fellowship with us and wrap us in Himself and protect us and lead us out of this darkness, this debt, this grave into his marvelous light. So we get to chapter 2. Chapter 2, we've covered John the Baptist, the grace of God, the forerunner, the one who would announce. And we come to Luke chapter 2, and I just want to do like the first 20 verses. I would like to do more. 20 verses is actually uh, a lot for me. And we read 2.1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the, all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for wrapping yourself in flesh and coming down as the God-man. Thank you for living a perfect life, an example for us. Thank you for dying on a cross and raising again on the third day. Thank you, Lord, for giving us grace and mercy and faith to believe. And now, Lord, we pray that you would finish the work you started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, back in 2-1, I mean... If you've been with me any time at all, you know that I'm not going to read. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and I'm not going to talk about it coming to pass. It came to pass. Listen, everything that God ever said, ever said was going to happen, everything is going to come to pass. It's going to be always fulfilled it's always going to be, and the word actually means cause to be, or to generate, or to fulfill. It's actually translated in Matthew 1 as fulfilled. All these things are fulfilled according to God's word. But think about this. What you were fighting about, what you were arguing about, what you were struggling with, what you were dealing with. Listen, if you lay it down and allow the creator of the universe to deal with it with his wisdom and his spirit, it too will come to pass, no matter what it is. No matter what's going on in your life, what we struggled with that was this huge mountain last year should be this year a little molehill. It should have been cast into the sea if we're living by faith. It should not, it should not be what we're struggling with now if we're on the grow and on the go and we're listening to God. If we're having fellowship with the light of the world, we shouldn't still be acting like little children and letting these same things continue to destroy us. Because that's not why God came. He came to lead us out, to grow us up, to make us like Him. 
I'm not saying we don't have struggles. I'm not saying we don't have battles. I'm not saying there's not things that are not besetting. I am saying we should not let them dominate us. When something's going on, cry out to God and get his wisdom and stop worrying about it. He loves you. He's not your enemy. He died for you. He gave his life for you. And it's the enemy who lies to us. But God always tells us the truth. And if we listen to his truth and apply the word of God, the balm of Gilead to our lives, his wisdom, then it has to get better. It will come to pass. And if it comes again, it's because you've forgotten what came to pass, what was satisfied, what was fulfilled. In the same days, we're talking about the days as these angel Gabriel continues to deliver messages, and we've seen the fulfillment of John the Baptist born last week. Now we're seeing uh, six months later, we're going to see the fulfillment of Christ being born, the greatest gift ever given. And in those days, a decree, really that word in the Greek is a dogma. That's the word dogma. A dogma went out. It's a civil ordinance, a law that was made by a forceful government that forces themselves upon you. Here's the, here's the whole thing. You've got to understand that God will never force you to do anything. But the world, your flesh, and Satan will force you to do a lot of things. And you'll always recognize the difference between God and the world. You have the, the world on one hand and God on the other. They're not the opposite because there's nothing the opposite of God. But God will never force because everything that's going on with life is about free will. He shows his beauty. He shows his goodness. He shows his love and demonstrates it. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he reveals that to us. And then he gives us free will choice, which we would like to choose. We're so used to being in slavery. We like the force. We're so used to being in slavery without God's grace and his spirit leading us. We'll continue to take the force and think that it's the normal. And then it's the new life when it's really death. It's the grave. But there's freedom and liberty in Christ to walk in his light. Unwrap this gift. So here's a dogma. And it went out, right? From Caesar Augustus. He's the emperor. It's a title that became known for all of the Roman uh, government. But Caesar, listen, Caesar is where we get Caesarean section from. You know how a baby, when you take a baby by cutting the, the mom open and pulling the baby out? Now listen, it saves some lives, but that's what this is talking about. His name, Caesar, means severed, right? See, we were born separated from God, and he come to save us so that we could be separated to him. But the devil wants to sever us and cut us away from the womb of God. Cut us away from the salvation of God. He wants us to forever be severed. And so there's a whole, whole government, a whole spirit of Antichrist that gets us to listen to his voice and sever our soul from God forever. And the worst enemy is your free will. Your worst enemy is us that we choose to continue to be severed, to receive the force, to listen to the dogma. 
Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man on the planet at the time. And he makes a dogma that all the world, the whole world, notice that right now everything that's going on is the whole world. This isn't new. There's a spirit of Antichrist. There's a spirit of Babylon. There's a spirit that comes from Nimrod, which means rebellion, came straight from the garden because we have a desire to ignore God and become lawless, should be taxed. The real word is taxed. You know, like register sounds like a cash register. You put all your valuables in a register. But the real word is taxed. Are you feeling taxed in your energy? Are you taxed in your strength? Are you taxed in your life? Are you feeling taxed? Do you want to fight about a physical taxing? Or do you want to think about the spiritual life? See, because this, this is what the enemy does with his dogma and his force. And he gets you so caught up that you want to argue about taxing instead of surrendering your soul to Jesus who already paid for it all. He owns everything. He allows you to stay in the physical. He allows you to fight in the temporal, but he doesn't want you to. He wants you to understand that the battle's over and understand that you, you don't want to be severed. You're separated from death and now separated to God to live for him and talk about him and walk in the spirit as he is a spiritual God and, and be led by the spirit because as many as are led by the spirit are the children of God. But listen to what tax means. This is what they're doing. They want them to be taxed. They want them to be counted. Listen, it means to enter in the public records the names of men, their property, their household, their income, and to enroll them, to mark them, is what it means. And see, you guys might think, and you might be caught up in some battles, that everything is about this money out here. Now, oh, just follow the money. Don't follow the money. Don't follow the money. What you want to do is follow what's marking you. Whose fingerprints are on you? Whose image is on you? See, because if you start following the physical and following the money, you're not listening to the spiritual. He wants to seal you with his spirit and he wants you to listen and be part of his house and be separated to him as his bride. And when you get caught up in all the rest of it, you start going, oh man, that's probably the mark. That's probably the mark. That's probably the mark. Oh, here's the mark of the beast. Oh, here's the mark of the beast. And your heart is so focused on it that you're being caught up and following the mark. You're following the spirit. You're listening and being controlled by that spirit because you're searching for something other than the light of the world. Let his hands be upon you. Quit sleeping with the enemy. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Begin to fellowship with his people. Begin to get into the word and let it go in and change who you are on the inside and change your desire and have a desire to fellowship with him. Augustus means venerable. It's, it's Latin for honor or to worship. It's funny how when you look at the word text, it's apographo. Apographo. Really? 
Most of you, if you've been studying any of this, you know that grapho is about writing. Yeah, it's, it's whose name's written on you. you. You know, and everybody talks about all these things that are going on, and they say, don't talk about them. You can't talk about them. I don't mind talking about COVID and all these lies that the enemy's bringing. It's all there to get people out and to get them name on paper, get them registered, to get them taxed, to get them marked so they know where they're at and what they're doing. There's so many people that are off the grid. The government doesn't like that. Listen to me. They want you taxed and marked. They want to know what you're doing. They're going to go to digital currency so you can't even run a lemonade stand. You can't sell your bicycle that you use no more because there's going to be no way to do it. You have to trade for it. But you won't be able to exchange currency because it has to be digital. And if they're not running it, you're not going to be able to do it. These are all the things that are coming about. But it's to control you, to dominate you, to mark you. But if you have the seal of God upon you and, he, and your name is written in his, his name is, your name is graphoed in his book, then you should be following what his grapho says, what his word says, what his writings say, what his voice is saying. And you should be understanding that because his spirit will give you discernment and teach you about what's going on. We don't need to be fighting. Notice in the text, listen, notice in the text, this dogma goes out. And those that are being used the most powerfully by God right now to bring about Jesus' birth, they're not arguing with the government. She's nine months pregnant. Joseph doesn't say, no way, we're not going, you're nine months pregnant. How could they dare make a dogma like this at this time when my wife is pregnant? No, he goes and gets a donkey and he sits on it and makes her walk. That's what they say. That's all I'm telling you. Pretty powerful stuff. They didn't argue a bit. They, you don't even see the inkling of them dealing with. All they do is go and do what they were called to do. Because God will always teach you to obey the laws of the land. Not to continue to be rebellious. But to be a witness. To be a light. And while the, while the world, the spirit of Antichrist, is trying to mark you and dominate you and force you. God allows it. To be his salvation song. Because there's no wisdom or counsel against God. So while they obey what's going on, they actually are in the center of God's perfect will. And then they, we get to be in Bethlehem, exactly where the scriptures said they would be, because you should always be where God says you should be. You should always be obeying his voice if you have salvation. That's all I'm telling you. Think about if they would have argued, we serve the most high God. We have some laws. We have the Old Testament. We have all this stuff that we have. We will not follow you, Roman government. God would have said, well, I said they were going to be born in Bethlehem, but it seems like I've got some really rebellious people that I've called to follow me. So I guess they're going to be born in Nazareth. In Galilee, since they won't leave, they're going to be born down in the heathen circle. Think about this for a minute, long and hard. But God called people that would listen. God called people that would hear his voice and obey. And he wrote about it long before it happened. Listen, he didn't prophesy it like you think. He didn't do, he didn't do a Nostradamus thing that, where he could be wrong sometimes. God knows the end from the beginning. He already knew everything that was going to happen. And then he wrote it down. 
because he doesn't learn anything. Sometimes we read the Bible like, well, is God going to get this one right? No, he's on the other side of time. He's outside of time. He wrote down exactly what happened, even the rebellious parts. Even when David broke every commandment in one act, he wrote it down about his people. But he still said, David's a man after my own heart because David repented. David changed his mind and knew it was wrong. He didn't live in it and wallow in it and stay in it. Listen to me. Do you know the word of God? Do you think God is some prognosticator? He's the creator who spoke and then allowed men that would listen to him to write it down and be used for his glory to tell about his son coming. And now we're telling it about it. He came. It was fulfilled. It came to pass. It wasn't something that, oh, let me get a plan B. Oh, let me just, okay, maybe we can, let's try this. Let's see if we can figure it out. Maybe if you run this over there and do this over there and you get this over there. No, this is all God's plan. He knows what's going on. He loves you with a never-ending love. Stop blaming everybody. Stop being a victim. Stop listening to the forceful spirit of this age and begin to listen to the spirit of God and he'll lead you out. Oh, it doesn't stop the pain or the suffering or the heartache. It, it rains on the just and the unjust. That's the whole witness, how you deal with the rain. The world thinks it's peace when you stop the rain. What? Do you know what the rain is? It's the judgment of God. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Who's going to stop it? The same one who started it. He's getting ready to stop it all. He's getting ready to stop it all and bring all of it to one place, to his judgment. We all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to me. Nothing is out of control. God allowed Caesar Augustus to be there. He allowed his name to mean severed. And he knows that people are going to, were separated from birth from God. And then he sent his Savior. And if you believe in him, then you can be separated to God. And you don't have to be severed from God for eternity like the rest of them are going to be. Natural birth. Listen. I am not saying anything against the Syrian section, but think about the actual word of God. A woman shall be saved through childbirth. It's supposed to be natural. Everything that we do in the world, we compromise the word of God. And some of these evil people, these terrorists, they cut women open. They cut them open and rip their children out. That's the evil of the world. Be careful what you think I just said. It's the evil of the world. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And they want us all to be spiritually severed from God forever. To play religion. Think about it. When Jesus came, the whole nation of Israel, except for a few remnant were severed from God because they've made up their own little plan. Right now, today, the whole world, except for those true believers of the universal church that are listening to the Spirit of God, they're severed from God. And they're playing religion and they think they're okay. 
How many people think they're okay when they're really severed from God because they won't listen to the voice of God? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Who are you following today? Are you following the, the, the culture, the age, some, some church culture, some church music? Are you listening for the voice of God? Are you articulating? What is, who is my God that came and saved me? You can't find it out unless you're spending time in the word, prayer, and fellowship. You cannot learn the character, the nature, the unchanging word of God unless you choose in your own heart. And listen, the big problem is, is we have to say, Lord, you know what? I have no desire to read your word. Give me a desire. You have to cry out to him. He already knows your heart. You have to come and be real with him. Lord, I don't want to do that. Can you help me do that? Lord, I don't desire to do that. Nothing good in our flesh desires to be with God. But if the Spirit of God is there, the Spirit will give you a desire. And the more you draw near, the more He'll draw near to you. We'll never get through this text. Now listen, it's used four times, is that correct? Four times the word taxed, marked, counted for, enrolled. Who, which, which, which role are you going to be on? Listen, are you still separated from God? Or now are you separated to God? There's a big difference. Separated from God, you're dead. Separated to God, you believe in the greatest gift ever given, and you want to hear His voice, and you want to obey Him, and you want to follow Him, and it's His life now that's being lived by the Spirit of God through you. That's separated to God. Look at Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. What, does, what does Paul say? This is how he opens. This is how he introduces himself. Paul, a doulos. Remember, remember, remember Mary said the doulos? She said the handmaiden of the Lord. This is the bondservant of the Lord. Every, one of the, every, every child of God should take this bondservant. It's a voluntary slave to God of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, one sent forth, look, separated to the gospel of God. That's what he's separated to. The good news of God, separated to the gospel of God. That's what his life is about, making sure other people hear the good news of the gospel of God. Separated to God. It means to set off by boundary, to limit, to exclude. It's from a word that means to mark. The same thing the spirit of Antichrist wants to do is mark you for his own, to steal your heart by force, God came, and he, it's from a word that means mark. It means, it means to bound, to appoint, to ordain. This is what we're ordained to. We're separated to God, not from God, if we come to salvation. We're no longer supposed to be forced by the world to do what we do. We should just naturally be doing the natural and letting God do the supernatural in our life as we obey God, as we draw near to God, as we become a witness for God. Because the world's going to be taxing us. Four times they're tying the mark. Four times. But don't, make no mistake, while they're trying to do their little thing, God is the one that's in full control. And God wants your heart. And He wants to know if you're going to listen to His goodness and His love and His mercy and His grace. 
or if you're going to continue to follow the whole world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. You know, I thought about this morning when I was thinking about that verse, because that's one of my verses for all my life uh, as a Christian, that when John wrote that verse down, he was writing down truth that has always been since the garden. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. It's been laying underneath the sway. God's allowed it to sway. God's allowed it to force. God's allowed those governments to go where he wants them to go. And when he's ready to stop them, he stops them. It's not like they're like, look what we're going to do. We're going to overthrow God. They might think that, but it's impossible. It's an impossibility. So they want to mark you. What is marking your life today? Is it the word of God? Are you written in the Lamb's book, the, the, the book of the Lamb? Are you being marked by his word, by his instruction, by his doctrine, by his truth, by his spirit that sealed you? Very important things. Are you separated to the gospel? Are you separated to God? Or still caught up in the world? Because if you're still caught up in the world, be careful because you might soon be severed from the grace of God that brings salvation. And God will use you just like he did Pharaoh to show his mighty power on the earth. The whole world is being taxed. We can make up, I can, I can teach on that one verse for many, many sermons, but I'm going to move on. Verse 2, this taxing, listen, it says census, right? But really, it's this taxing, this registering, this thing happened, first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Now, Quirinius means warrior. That's why I told you Gabriel means warrior of God, strong man of God, is because here's your Antichrist warrior, but we already had the message delivered to us by the warrior from God, the strong man of God. Christ is our warrior. He's the one that's already won. The message was delivered by Gabriel. Corinius. And, and if you're not careful and you go, well, this don't make much sense because I did the history lesson and Quirinius, he was, he was governor in Syria sometime later. Oh, that was his second time. That's why it says first there, protos. It was the first time he was governor. Then he was out of office for like three or four other governors. And then he was brought back again. And they talk about another census in Acts chapter five. And you can see that. But listen, if you don't do the true studying, if you don't read the Word of God, you'll believe the lie from the world. Maybe you're watching the History Channel. Maybe you should turn your TV off. There's nothing good on the History Channel. Nothing. They don't even know it's his story. Instead of history. His testimony. Listen to me. First time he was governor... And governor just means ruler. Of course, it's, it's to act as a ruler because they're really not ruling. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And he uses them like the rivers of water. He moves them where he wants them to be. Syria, of course, means exalted. All these things are in place on purpose. 
you have severed and, and, and they're exalted and they're thinking they're ruling, but they're not ruling and they're exalting themselves against God. And listen, Syria is the same as Tyre or Tyrus in the Hebrew. It's a Phoenician city, which means a rock. So you have a false antichrist who wants you to think that it's the rock instead of Jesus being the rock. And if you remember, Ahab, his, his wife Jezebel, Jezebel was a Phoenician. She was the daughter of the priest of Phoenicia. And that's how all of that came into the northern tribes and then came down into the southern tribes from the same spirit. There's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Listen, it's so serious. There's two voices. There, there, there's the spirit of Antichrist and there's the spirit of God. And the only one that really can do anything is God is allowing you to choose him. And if you choose him and you're separated to God, separated to the gospel, you become a doulos and recognize the privilege and you surrender, then he'll do the rest of the work. All you have to do is be still and know that I'm God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He does all the work. But if not, you're fighting against God. You're not fighting against the enemy. You're fighting against what God allows to come into your life to teach you, to train you, to purify you, to wash you, to cleanse you. Now, I'm talking about this, and it's really easy to talk about. It's harder to live. It's harder to die. It's harder to become a doulos of God and to know that you've been called to be a witness and you're separated and you can trust him because all the other voices, one, but sounds like many because it's Babylon, confusion by mixing. But it's all the same system that's trying to deceive you and force you to follow it and mark you for themselves and take you as their own and control your heart and your future where you live. But you can choose Jesus and receive the greatest gift ever given freely by grace and know that you're fine. But you have to be wrapped in him. You need to be wrapped, separated to the gospel. Wrapped up in Christ, not self. So what happened? They all, they all rebelled. They took up guns and shot each other. No, verse 4. Joseph, he will add, also went up from the heathen circle, Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, which means guarded one. Listen, nobody can get to you if you're separated to God. You'll never be visited with evil. Proverbs 132. Oh, it'll look bad, but it's God's hand. It's God's scalpel. It's God testing your heart and trying you, perfecting you, purifying you, preparing you. For the wedding supper of the Lamb. Guarded one. Nazareth is called guarded one. There was uh, a bunch of soldiers there. It's about all that was in Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Really? The Savior of the world did. After he went down to Egypt and then came back and settled there. And they went into Judea. He shall be praised. How can you not praise God when you watch what the names mean and watch what he's doing and watch the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God and receive the free life that you come out of death? How could you not praise God? He shall be praised. To the city of David, or David, which means beloved, from the Hebrew beloved, 
what were they doing? They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't disobeying the government on purpose just to be fighting. They were being a witness of obedience and somebody that was doing what they were supposed to do. Verse 5, to be taxed. He will add, went to be taxed, to be registered, to stand up and say, here I am, here's all my possessions. I don't really want to do this. My wife's nine months pregnant, Mary, their rebellion, his betrothed, espoused, who was with child. She was with child. And it, and it really means great with child, King James. She's swelling inside. She's nine months pregnant. We already knew she was pregnant. This means great with child is what it says in the King James because she is ready to pop. You ever see, I'm crazy. I see women even in the supermarket. I'm like, hey, don't have that baby right now. I'm trying to shop because they're so big. You just looks like you're due today, ain't you? You can tell when a woman is, is, is great with child. I know I do crazy stuff, but it gets you to talk about Jesus. When you start breaking a subject and start talking to somebody, they start laughing. And now you can talk about what you want to talk about. You've got the floor. Sorry, something weird in me that just wants to talk about Jesus. So this is verse six, the number of man. So it was. That while they were there, oh, I skipped Bethlehem, didn't I? Are you kidding me? Bethlehem? You skipped it? Anybody know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. Wow. Where else should the bread of life be born? You guys, do you guys go to... Uh, hardware store to get bread oh you can now see you can't even use them analogies anymore can't even use them analogies the world's messing up so much they got to tax everything house of bread but listen you know it actually comes from a hebrew word that means house of dust or dry clay see because that's what we came from but if you're born again you can become that from the house of bread and then you feast on the bread of life. And you stop feasting on dead clay or dirt. And you have new life birthed into you. And of course, betrothed or espoused is to give an engagement present. She's great with child. Verse 6, sorry about that. I got way ahead of myself when I left out Bethlehem. So it was that while they were there, so it's just life is normal. Listen, they weren't complaining. They weren't throwing a fit. It just happened while they were there. They were doing the natural. The days were completed or accomplished for her to be delivered. Isn't that interesting the way that's written? That song, Mary, Did You Know? The little babe you delivered will someday deliver you delivered it was completed it was accomplished her fully come it means to bring forth and be born a child her firstborn what'd they do what'd they do after he was born number of number man six he's born and verse seven she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn you know everything possible for them to complain 
yet we don't see it. And then they wrap him in clothes and lay him in a manger. A manger is not that little funny scene with a, you go, you're born in a barn. He was born in a barn, but it's not even that. A manger is a feeding trough. And it was probably in a, in a, in a rock cave. It wasn't even a little wooden structure. It was poor, more probably a carved out cave. And in the cave, there was an area that was carved out where they would throw grain so the cow could eat from it. And you take and you go to Bethlehem, the bread of life, and then, or excuse me, to the house of bread, and then the bread of life is born, and then he's laid in a trough so that us sheep can eat. You can't get any better than that. I don't know what he's saying there. Can't figure it out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just taste and see. He's never going to do anything that is not good for you. Even when it hurts and it's so painful, it's still good for you. It's still changing you. It's causing the inner workings of you, your desires, every bit of your heart and your makeup to say, I don't want this world. It stinks. I want you, Jesus. You go, oh, no, this is painful. It's good for you. It's going to hurt him more than it's going to hurt us. He doesn't like to see his children suffer, but he's a good father who's going to make sure you get across the finish line. And he knows exactly everything it takes to get you to do that, to change your mind, to cry out to him. So this greatest gift ever given was wrapped in swaddling cloths because of superstition. They believed that it kept the baby tight and they wouldn't it's a bunch of nonsense. But anyway, wrapped. Laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Listen, listen to me. This is so good. This is so good because you're getting ready to hear there's no room for them in the end because this is not their home. And there's no room for the shepherds. They're out in the fields. Listen, because they're separated to God. This is not their home. Citizens of heaven. That's what we sing. We're citizens of heaven. So they go the normal course of business and there's no room for them in the, in the fancy hotel. There's no room for them in the place where everybody else is staying. Nobody wants to choose them. Nobody makes room for them. Nobody even is concerned about them. But did they throw a fit? Did they pick it? Did they go, this is not right? I, 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 should, I should have some rights here. I'm, I'm an alien in this land and here I am. And no, they just went into the, where they could sit down and they enjoyed and they said we know that we're in God's perfect timing and they had a baby and they laid the baby in the trough and they went about their business and they were a witness of who it's a witness of their heart it's a witness of who they serve it's a witness of who they believe it's a witness of their life it's the evidence that they believe God is real and the opposite can be true with the other things that we do it can be the opposite of our unbelief. And really, uh, the inn, it means a lodging place or a guest chamber. Is there room for Christ in your inn? Have you made room for him in your heart? Is there a place for him to be laid to rest in your heart? Listen to me. Are you separated to the gospel of God? 
and you're allowing that to grow in your heart, the person of God, because of the Spirit of God, because you've made place for God in your life, in your guest chamber, think of all the things we invite into our heart. Are you, have you? Listen, I know you're like, why is he saying this to us Christians? Because it's costume jewelry if it's not according to the Word of God. It's costume jewelry if we're listening to even, even those who think they're leaders in the Christian church. It has to be the Spirit of God. You have an anointing. The Spirit of God teaches you. The Spirit of God calls you. But if you're listening to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will get you into the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. The Spirit of God will get you involved in being the part of the body that you are. The Spirit of God will use you as a witness. Unless, of course, you say no to His voice. He's not doing anything different with other people. He's doing the same thing with all of us. He's saving us. He's leading us out. He's delivering us from ourselves that listen to forceful people that try to force upon us and try to govern over us and try to tax us. But you don't have to fight with them. Our battle is not of flesh and blood. It's of principalities and powers. It's a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're just standing in the victory of Christ that was won on that first tree. That was one as he decorated it with the light of the world and his presence was there. Have you opened the gift? The greatest gift ever given? Then what happened, Greg? It was a new beginning. See, they got no place to lodge, and now we got a new beginning in verse 8. 8 is the number of new beginnings. And listen, when you receive this gift that was wrapped in swaddling cloths, the greatest gift ever given, it should be a new beginning in your life. And here's the new beginning. Now, there were in the same country, same area, same vicinity, shepherds, Living, where are they living at? Ain't no room for them either. They're living out in the fields. Whose fields? The fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. They're living out in the fields. And what are they doing? They're keeping watch over their flock by night. Oh, it's dark. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Light of the world just lit up a tree. And they were greatly afraid. Listen, listen. God didn't want them to be afraid. They were just afraid because of what they've been taught and what they learned and what they understood. God is here for you. He's not here to destroy you. He's here to save you. God didn't come into the world to, to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John 3, 17, they were already condemned. They were already separated. But if you believe in his gift and receive it and open it and walk in it, he'll separate you to the gospel of God. These shepherds were the nomads. They were vagabonds. They were the gypsies. They were the heathens. They couldn't even be in the city. Very important to understand that. 
They didn't accept the culture. And they were out, and the culture didn't accept them. Shepherds. And if you remember, we talked about it before. If you look at it in the Old Testament, which is our foundation, when Joseph brings his whole family down to Egypt, they could not even be in Egypt. They had Goshen. Goshen means drawing near to God. Right? And the, the pharaohs, the leaders, the Babylonian leaders of, the, uh, of Egypt, they didn't want the shepherds around them. So they, God used that to separate his people from the world. And they were in Goshen. They were supposed to be drawing near to God. And God grew them way up until Moses' day when the pharaohs forgot about who they were. And they were not friends of Joseph anymore. And then he called him out. Moses means one drawn out. Listen, you have to hear his voice. Today, if you'll hear his voice and not harden your heart, as in the days of the wilderness, he will draw you out. He will separate you to the gospel. But it must be by listening to the Spirit of God, the voice of God. It cannot be by listening to the world and what they're doing. What they're doing is their own death. They're severed. But his people come out and separate themselves to the gospel. They believe the message. We don't have to be afraid of any of them. What are they going to do to us? Kill us? Finish line. With the Lord. Oh, I know. Nobody likes to get to the finish line because it's the pain and the suffering to get there. There's no reason to be afraid of God. He's here to save, not to destroy us. The only people, listen to me, the only people that should be afraid of God are the very people that don't believe in Him and they're not afraid of Him because they don't believe in Him. Do you get that? Because of their deception, because of their arrogance, because of their pride, because they will not receive this greatest gift. The very people that should be afraid because they're going to have to approach His throne and be cast into hell, they're never afraid. So here comes this messenger. He meets them out in where they're living at in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Oh, my goodness. I should probably talk about shepherds a little bit, shouldn't I? A herdsman, one responsible for watching, for defending, for protecting, for keeping, for sheep, for leading them, for going before them. That's what a shepherd is. Jesus is called the good shepherd in John 10, the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5. He's called uh, the great shepherd of the flock in Hebrews 13. He's the example of what a shepherd is. And he came into the world and he didn't have a place in the inn, right? These shepherds don't have a place. They're living in the fields. See, this is not our home. But we are called and anointed and separated to the gospel so that other people would follow us. 
Where are you leading people? Oh, I'm not a shepherd. No, 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 no. I'm just a sheep. So you're being led then. I hope it's by the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of the world. Spirit of Antichrist. If all you want to be is a sheep. But see, if you were once blind, but now you see, you should be leading people somewhere. But if you don't see, then you, you can't lead nobody anywhere. See is the word I do, I do, E-I-D-O. means to understand, comprehend. Then you know that you're separated for the gospel. And you should be sharing the good news. It's getting ready to pop up here, by the way. Look at this. I mean, because think about it. If you were the God of the universe, the most high God, and you had a son and he was coming to earth, would you deliver the message to people that don't even have a house? They're living in the fields and people don't accept them. In fact, when they come into the city, they go, nail it down, lock the doors, hide everything. The shepherds are here. They're very unsavory. They're gypsies. They'll take your stuff. Worst character, and God is going to entrust that message to them. Think about it. He didn't give it to a bunch of Hollywood fallen angels. He didn't give it to somebody that had everything going on. They won't receive it. I know, I know. You say, well, I know some people. Listen, be very careful what you think you know if you can't stay low need to be humble about this because it's really easy to get saved and then to puff up and you got a little bit of knowledge and now you're puffing up and now i know everything i know somebody who knows everything and he's a good god it called me out of darkness but the more i grow the more i know i don't know nothing the more i grow the more i see that the grace of god is amazing and the more you grow the more you're going to see that but if you just grow in knowledge and not relationship, you might write some books, you might puff up, you might do some conferences, you might try to tell everybody what you know. I just don't see it in the scriptures. I don't see it. They rejected the prophets. They rejected the messengers. They killed the ones who delivered the true gospel. They didn't set them up in printing shops and say, let's get your message out. Come on in here. Let's talk some more about what you know. No, no, they corrupted their grapho. They marked them. They marked the ones that they want to mark. Listen. I, yeah, I know. I could get in big trouble. They'll all say, who is that guy with those few sheep over there in Williamsport? I don't have any sheep. I have a shepherd, though. They're his sheep. He's going to take both flocks, and he makes them, and he's the shepherd over one flock. Those who listen, those who hear his voice. I have a gift. I have an anointing. I have a calling. I'm trying my best to be separated to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm going through stuff just like the rest of you. Because in fact, there's nobody that isn't. But you have to be tested to have a testimony. The question is, 
Who are you going to lean on when you're tested? Where are you going to go? What are you separated to today? Who's your God? What's your master passion? What gets you out of bed in the morning? New beginning. Where are you living at? Where are you living at? The world's fields or God's fields? Because the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. Where do you keep them watch over? Verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Light. And they were greatly afraid. Think about that for a minute. Maybe they're bedded down already. Maybe they're asleep. We don't really know. But all of a sudden, the sky opens up. All of a sudden, boom, light in the darkness. Isn't that what happens when Jesus is born into a life, into the world, but into a life? Your darkness is exposed and all you can see is his glorious light. It's going to shine around you. You got to tell somebody. That's amazing to me. And they were megas, greatly afraid, phobia. But guess what happened? Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Because see, you're not supposed to be afraid in the sense of fear to force you to do something. So the message is always going to be the same from God. It's what Jesus said, do not be afraid. It's what the angels always say, don't be afraid. This is not for fear. This is for salvation. We're on your side. We've come to use you and give you the privilege of be a witness for us to deliver a message of grace to the... Not to be afraid and hide. So see, it was taken wrong again. And verse 10 says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I'm bringing you good news. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. Not to just a few select few. It's to everybody. God loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whomsoever shall believe would not perish, separated already, would not perish, but have everlasting life, separated to God, separated to the gospel, separated to and owning that message of the good news that God is here to bring great joy. It's good news. You uh, and Gelidzo. You and Gelidzo. It means to announce good news, to declare glad tidings of great joys. Megas Kara. Megas big, great cheerfulness, calm delight, joy. Listen, you don't have to have a smile on your face all the time. But you can have joy in knowing that you've been separated to the gospel of God. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That you've been marked by God. Not by the world. But what is still marking you? Have you changed your mind and decided to be marked by God and, and to step into what he's called you to do and to understand that the Spirit has got a, a gift for you or gifts 
a calling, an anointing, and the blessings of following God and being called by Him and doing what He says and not living in this world or for this world or because of this world or because of force is a greater blessing than anything that this world is ever going to give to you. There's greater joy in being in the center of the will of God and unwrapping this gift than anything else in your life. You know what crushes me the most about my wife being gone? I literally learn from God to enjoy taking care of her. And I know she loved taking care of me. That relationship is pales in comparison to the marriage with God. Because I was a heathen that didn't take care of nothing. I broke a lot of stuff. And God gave me a wife and a family. That's the part I hate the most. I'm happy she's with him. Now I'm like, Lord, what do I do? I enjoyed taking care of my wife. My brother said, taking care of your wife, all I seen was her taking care of you. Which is true. That's what, that's what marriage is. But with Christ, he does all the taking care of. It's already in the package. Unwrap the greatest gift ever given. Stop letting it sit on a shelf. Stop being afraid. God is here. He doesn't want us to be afraid to go out. He's overcome the world. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. His perfect love cast out all fear. Mm. Great joy to all people. Why is that, Greg? Verse 11. For there is born to you, personal, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God with you, Emmanuel. Behold, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a child, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. Listen to me. God, the Savior is Christ the Lord. The soder. The, it's, it's, it's the soder is the word. He's a soder. What? A deliverer. A preserver. A savior. He's the anointed, the Messiah, supreme in authority. And, and that's the sign, but this ties in with 714. I'm not going there, but look what he says next. Verse 12, and this will be a sign to you. See, if they know the scriptures, they know where he's talking about. You don't have to go there. It's written on your heart. Remember, remember, remember the unbeliever couldn't believe it? How shall I know this? He was asking for a sign. Who? Oh, Zacharias. He was in working in the temple and wanted a sign. You ever do that? If a next car that goes by is red, we'll do it. <laughs> if they call me back, I'll say yes. Really? Wouldn't it naturally follow that since they ask you, they're going to call you back? 
Don't make decisions on goofiness. There's counsel with the Lord. There's the Spirit of God that wants to teach you to listen to God and do the natural. He's not against you. He's not mad at you. But don't be afraid to speak out. A sign. What is a sign? It's an indication. It's a mark. (laughs) Again, we're back to, what are you separated to? What mark are you looking for? Are you looking to promote God or the world? Are you looking to promote yourself? The marks change according to what your heart is doing. That looks like a sign to me. Well, yeah, because that's the direction you wanted to go. Is God going that way? I don't know, but I want to go. You better go the direction God wants to go because as many as are led by His Spirit, these are the children of God. That's the mark you want on you at the end of your age is the mark of God, the seal of God. I got to quit. We got to get done. So it's an indication. It's a mark. This is how you're going to know which one is the Messiah. That's what he says to him. Wait a minute. We're out in the fields. We're going to have to do something. There's going to have to be some evidence. We're, so see, they can lay there. Hey, Jim, what would you put in that stew tonight? Hey, what did you guys feed me? Did you see the sky open up? See, they can think, oh, it's just another one of them nights. They can make up all kinds of excuses, or they can get up and go investigate the same way Mary did. Remember, Mary put feet to her faith. Well, wait, there's more before they do. Here's the sign to you. You will find, you have to seek to find, you have to ask, you have to knock, a babe, a baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now listen, if, if I was God, and, and I'm not, and you should be glad, um, they'd only been one child born on that night. If I was God. And I could control it. But there was probably lots of babies born. There's lots of kids being called Jesus. Everybody wanted to give birth to the Messiah. But you know what? I bet there was only one child that didn't have a room and was laid in a feeding trough. There might have been hundreds of kids born. But when they go searching, like, no, he got a pretty comfortable bed. No. No. Oh, here's one. In a feeding trough. Exactly the way the sign was. See, there's a lot of Jesuses out there. There's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of Gospels out there. But is it the way that God's Word says it's going to be when you go looking? I don't know. I don't read God's word. Then how can you even find then? You're still being led by yourself. You're separated to self. You're separated to death. You're separated from God, not separated to God, to the gospel. We should know the gospel. In fact, maybe what you know the best in your life is what you're separated to today. It's just an interesting thought. Be careful. It's appointed for men to die once. Then comes the judgment. You don't want to find out on the other side you were separated to the wrong Jesus, to the wrong gift, to the wrong place. 
lying in a feeding trough, the bread of life in a manger. 13, and suddenly, suddenly, means all of a sudden, unexpectedly. They were pondering that thought, and all of a sudden, suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Guess what? Guess what? Those heavenly hosts, that's what they were created for. The only, only thing ever created, listen, that's in rebellion to God is the devil's angels and himself and us. Everybody else is obeying God. Either we're choosing to obey God and part of obeying God is saying, Lord, forgive me, I wasn't obeying you. Lord, forgive me, I wasn't even getting this. Lord, forgive me, I wasn't even doing what I needed to be doing. And I wasn't asking you or confessing it to you. I wasn't even trying to build this relationship. I wasn't even looking to submit to you and resist the devil. I wasn't even trying to draw near and, and so that you could draw near to me. I wasn't even thinking about that because I'm separated to myself. I'm separated from you. But I want to be separated to you because you're the greatest gift ever given. Listen to me. Suddenly, there's another host. We don't know how many that is. It's a, it's a, it's a troop. Uh, plinthos. I think it comes, we get the word plethora or plenty from it. It means a company, a great number. All there. And what are they doing? They're praising God. They're singing God's praise. That's what they do. But look what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest. Fourth time we've seen that. Remember? Remember? The highest means the most high God. There's nobody above him. And on earth, peace, comma, goodwill toward men. Now, some people say goodwill toward men whom his favor rests upon. But when you really think about this, when you understand the word peace, irene, this is not talking about no battles. This is not talking about uh, the, the absence of war. This is talking about peace from God. Romans 5.1 tells us, we just look at a couple places. We have to understand what really is going on. This doesn't mean that, that, that every one of your relationships are going to be perfect. Now, they can be perfected, and you can be at peace with people as far as you're able. But in Romans 5.1, when you talk about peace, you have to know, therefore, having been justified, just as if you never sinned by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we have this joy and hope of the glory of God. And I'm not going to keep going with that, but I want you to see the peace. But listen, what is peace? Jesus is our peace. Look at Ephesians 2. Jesus is our peace. He's not just our salvation. He's our all in all. 2.14 of Ephesians. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
We were separated from God. Now we're separated to God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He broke down. He is our peace. We were at war. We were separated from God because of our sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And now he's separated us to God because of Jesus, the second Adam. And now we can come boldly. We don't have to be afraid at all, ever. This is not peace to the world. See, the world's talking about this all the time. Peace, love, joy. They talk about these things that have nothing to do with the truth of God. Peace to them is don't bomb me. I won't bomb you, man. We're talking about eternal. We're talking about spiritual. We're talking about being cast into hell because we're enemies of God. We're separated from God. But then when we believe in Jesus, we're separated to God. And now we have peace. We're no longer enemies because everything's been paid for. Now we're free because of Jesus to come into his house, to come boldly to his throne and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I don't know about you, but I need plenty of mercy and grace. Plenty. So then look at Matthew 10. Listen, Jesus did not come to bring peace. Very important because people are going to tell you, oh, you just got to love because we need to be at peace, man. Look at Matthew 10, verse 34. I'm not going to go into it much deeper than this. I don't even really want to go to this text. I could just quote it and people would know. Look what he says in 34. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. Wait a minute. This is a contradiction. No. No. We're talking about eternal peace. No longer at war because we're separated from God. We're separated to God. Look, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The word of God divides. When you see this convergence going on all around, everybody wanting to be the same, everybody wanting to do the same, oh, just accept them where they're at. Just tolerate them, man. Just be at peace with them, man. Just love them, man. That's not God. God came to divide if you don't believe the truth, then you're separated from God. If you believe the truth, you're separated to God. And listen to me. He killed, or excuse me, the, the, the enemies killed the people separated to God. Killed them. They didn't like their message. And in 38, you can read this text if you want later. 38, he says, And he who does not take his cross, die to self, death to self, death to what you want to do, and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake, notice what it has to be, will find it. Faith. You can go on and read that text later. I just want you to know that, that the peace they're singing about is much different than what God's talking about. And we try to turn it all into the same peace because it's the same word, irene. 
But when you know the peace of God and you go to deliver the message of God to other people because you're separated and you have no home here and all you, you know your citizenship is in heaven, you're going to be in trouble. That's taking up your cross and following him. Listen, peace on earth, peace is being offered. Notice it says goodwill toward men. It's being handed out toward men. Anybody that wants to receive it, it there's a direction going on. It's a quietness, it's a rest. It, it means literally, peace here means set it one again, to become one with God again. Listen, in the garden they were one with God. Then because they listened to some other voice, they were separated from God. And now Christ comes, he's born, and the whole the angels are singing about it. Hey, you can be set at one with God again. But what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to get up and go investigate. They're going to have to get up and go find out. They're going to have to have this relationship. They're going to have to do something. Oh, no, it's free. But if you receive it, you need to open it. Goodwill means satisfaction, delight. It's kindness. It's his good pleasure. I could go to more verses. I'm not going to. And notice it's toward. It denotes position and relationship of rest. It's toward. His hand has been extended, and you must receive the gift. Many people say, oh, I, I believe in it. I received the gift. And then they set it on a shelf in the closet, and they never open it. Have you opened the gift? Are you enjoying the gift? Are you obeying the gift? Are you listening to the gift? Are you being led by the gift? Are you telling others about the gift? It's toward men. Verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away. Just like that, they're gone. The messenger's gone. Now there has to be a deliverer to go share the message. Watch this. Just like that. Wow, I know the truth. Wow, what do I do with it? I've been equipped. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to sit on my couch. That's what I'm going to do. Am I going to believe it? When the angels had gone away from them, back to heaven, that's where they're at, in heaven, God's abode, that the shepherds said to one another, so they started talking about it. It's a one another ministry here. We've got to talk about this. What just happened? What did we just see? What was just revealed? And what do we do about it? Look what they concluded. Let us together as one now go to Bethlehem, to the house of bread, and see. We got to see this. We got to go find it. We got to go. I do. We got to go see it. Understand it. This thing that has come to pass. Notice they believed it. It came to pass already. They believe it. It come to pass. It's they already believe it's done. That's faith right there because their feet are getting up and putting feet to their faith. And then they know who did it, which the Lord has done. Kurios, supreme in authority. And he's made it known to us. Gnoskos, made it known to us. Why did he tell us? I could have just stayed out here playing with these sheep. Why did he tell me? I was ready to doze off and go to sleep and just be asleep. And then he woke me up. He told me to raise from the dead and he will give me light. And then I'm supposed to see that I walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And I'm supposed to find out what the will of the Lord is. 
then I'm supposed to go share that. So they go to Bethlehem. Verse 16, and they came with haste. Haste again. The Christmas haste. It's the word spudo. means speed. Speed. It means to urge on diligently and earnestly. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for you first must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Redeeming the time. Hebrews eleven six. And so they found, they find out by searching is what that word means. And what did they find? And they found their rebellion was added to Jesus in a manger. Notice this. They found Mary, Miriam, Maria, their rebellion, Joseph, he will add. And the babe, his name is Jesus. He hasn't named yet till the eighth day, the new beginning. Do you know him as Jesus? Do you know him as Savior of your, uh, of your life? Their rebellion was added to the babe because they searched. And he's in a manger, which is a feeding trough where you eat from. All of it's right there. All four things. Have you investigated? Are you searching to find out? Now, when they had seen him, have you seen him? Because if you've seen him, you'll make him widely known. If you literally see God, if you see what God has done, what God is doing, it says right here, when they seen him, and it, it means to see or to discern clearly, they beheld him. In the Hebraism, it means to experience him. They, see, they got up, they was told a message, and they go, oh, really? Let's go, let's go, let's go find out. Let's go see what's come to pass. There's a babe born in a manger. And they went there. They seen it. They find it just like it is. And so what do they have to do? When they seen it, they had to make it widely known. To tell abroad. To make known. To publish abroad. This is to herald the good news. The saying which was told them. So they received the message concerning this child. This child. Not some other child. This gift, not some other gift. This is the only Savior. And all those who heard it, so other people's heard it, they marveled, thalmadzo, they was wondering at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Why? Because this is not what shepherds talk about. Shepherds talk about sheep. They talk about, we was over in the wilderness, one wolf, he came out there, and we threw a rock at him, and we scared him off. And that dumb sheep, he went anyway, and he put his head in the water, and there he went, sucked him in. Died anyway. We done saved him from the wolf 12 times. And the stupid dude went over and stuck his head in the water and got sucked away by every wind of doctrine and wouldn't listen to the word of God. Listen to me. I'm serious. This is, this is serious stuff. They marveled because, see, listen, shepherds don't talk about godly things. These are the thieves, the vagabonds. They're in the back of the line. This is where God comes and picks from. The weak things, the base things. He doesn't pick from the front of the line. They don't know they need a doctor. They think they're okay. Listen, do you know you need a doctor? Here's the great physician. Here's the savior of the world. He can lead you out. People should marvel. 
if you're talking about the scriptures. They should marvel. That's, that's the number one thing they noticed about the disciples. If you remember, I think it's over in ooh, chapter 4 of Acts. They took note. He, they had been with Jesus. That's the only thing they could take note of. Their grandparents had a whole lot of money. Uh, they once went to Hebrew High. No, they've been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Are you separated to the gospel of God? Have you been with Jesus? That's what people will wonder about. They made it widely known. Are you making it widely known what you see, what you hear, what you heard? But notice this. There's others. Mary, their rebellion, kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Didn't act upon them. Oh, I, I'm just saying in one sense, Mary just pondered them. We already seen her put feet to her faith and she went to Elizabeth's house. But think about it. If you're still in rebellion, you might just sit around and ponder them some more instead of believe them. There's a lot of stuff Mary went through in those 33 years, 33 and a half. And then there at the base of the cross and Jesus said, woman, John, John, woman, commends us to the grace of God, to the gracious gift of God as he dies for our sins. Oh, I was meaning us by their rebellion. That's us. Are you pondering it? It means to meditate on. It means to keep closely together. It means to combine or consider. Actually, keep means to remember and obey. And we're at in the heart, the center of you. Then what happened, Greg? Then the shepherds returned. What were they doing? Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And they got up and investigated. So now they've seen it. And it was just as told them. It was as told them. They investigated and found that everything was true about the gospel, the good news that they were separated to. So they're glorifying and praising God, lifting him up, magnifying. But they went back out to their fields where they were living. They didn't, they didn't get better and go buy a bigger house and stay there and stay in at the manger and worship over that rock. They went back to where they were at. But they were different. They were glorifying and praising God. They were investigating on the way in. On the way back, they're glorifying and praising God. What are you doing? What are you separated to today? Are you still separated from God? He is our peace. He is our peace, and he's taken apart. He's taken down the middle wall of separation, the law, the requirements of the law. And he's paid it all for us. Free gift, the greatest gift ever given. Have you received it? Are you enjoying it? Are you opening it? Are you sharing it with others? 
You can finish the chapter. Father, thank you for the greatest gift ever given. Thank you that we've been separated to your gospel. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Give us a desire to go tell someone. Pour out your spirit upon us so that we would glorify and praise you in all that we do. Give us a hunger to be in your word, prayer and fellowship, and to draw near to you. Pour out your spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?